0: Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began and a lot has changed, on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, when is it my turn to play? We talked to Jason Schreier from the video game podcast, Triple Click, about gaming while adulting. Plus, Biz got it. Woo!
1: Kind of a quiet check-in (laughs) because the baby's napping. Toddler, I guess toddler's napping. She's almost two. Content warning. Puke warning. (laughs) Today, I, mom leveled up because I caught puke and like real puke, not just Not just um, like breast milk, but no puke in my hand. Uh. So that happened. But you know what? Mm -hmm. I've been able to just kind of keep it chill, and my kid is not upset about the fact that she's been puking, and she's been really, like, great about communicating when she's going to puke, which is nice. So, yeah, I, I might actually be able to get some more work from home done this afternoon. So I don't know about you, but I'm killing it. Yeah,
0: I do know about you. You are also killing it. You are doing a great job. Thank you. Bye. Next level. How appropriate for a show in which we're going to talk about video gaming today. First off, you are doing a great job. I just want you to know, catching puke, and thank you for clarifying what type of puke, catching puke in your hand or hands is definitely on the high end of things that you might do when kids get in your house. And no one tells you that. Like, that's on the list of pooping in the tub. Not you, but your kids. But maybe you. That's okay. Our bodies all are different if we push a kid out. Or if a kid wound up in your house and you're just like, Fuck it. I'm too tired. I'm just going to poop in this tub. That's fine, too. Anyway, no judgment here. The point is, you can't really tell anybody that. I mean, you just can't. I mean, you can, but people are going to be like, that's fucking disgusting. Unless it is another parent who is honest, and then they will say, me too, (laughs) or wow, and then they'll high five you because they aren't afraid of your hands. They know they're clean. They'll high five that hand. That's right. You are doing an excellent job. And this is the place that we can all hold these very odd moments in our lives for and with you. You're amazing. How am I? Well, I'm here. Chug, chug, chug. Chug, chug, chug. Little train. Chug, chug, chug. Choo, choo, choo. I'm all right. Uh, Mama is still doing well in the grand scheme of of dying i cannot think of a different way to put it but i mean you know i don't and we have the most wonderful the people who hospice workers are next level amazing and we have the most amazing team and i think and what's interesting Is I think what is something most of us might be able to relate to, especially as parents of having kids in our house, that like sense of putting others before you, in particular your kids' needs, and then you get to this stage in your life where you really need to put yourself first. And if if you haven't been practicing that most of your life, or been given the space to practice that, it is hard. And so it is such a gift to watch our hospice team help mama understand that she deserves the kindness, that she deserves pain management, that, you know, she doesn't have to wait to till it gets bad. She, she can treat it now. And it is also a lesson for me. So, I you know, I just... Thank you. If you were out there and you work in hospice, thank you. you. You're fucking amazing. Additionally, what is it that I thought I got? Why am I talking about I got it? I was like, I got it. What was it? <laughs> Guys, when I read this opening for the show, the This Week I went by Mother, I said, plus, biz, got it. Now, I, I wrote that 10 minutes, like not even 10 minutes ago, and I have no idea what it is that I was referring to. I don't know what I got. I have not, <laughs> didn't get a cold. I'm all right. I didn't get a new car. I didn't get kicked in the knee. So there you go. That is, I got it. I got, I got it. Well, whatever it is that I got, I hope I enjoyed it. <laughs> I know what I need. I need a little bit of playtime on my Switch with my new Rabbids Spark of Hope video game, which is a delight. Lots of little puzzles to solve. And I think that ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today with our guest, video gaming journalist, Jason Schreier. So stick around for that. Hey. Let us guess. You love books, but wish you had more time
1: to read. Or maybe you used to read a lot, but life has gotten in the way. Kids, grad school, you name it. Maybe you don't know where to start and bookish social media is overwhelming. How do people on TikTok read so many books? Oh my God, I don't know. And maybe you've been reading the
2: same book for six months and now it's permanently attached to your bedside table. Maybe you don't even know what you like to read anymore. We're reading glasses and don't worry,
1: we got you. We'll get you back into reading and help you enjoy books again. Reading Glasses, every week on Maximum Fun. Please, take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of
0: One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the hosts of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes
2: professional parenting advice.
0: Miss and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. All right, I am so excited to be welcoming Jason Schreier is a reporter at Bloomberg News, where he covers the video game industry. He's also a co-host of the video game podcasts here at Maximum Fun, Triple Click, and the New York Times bestselling author of books, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and Press Reset. Welcome, Jason. Welcome, Jason.
2: Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Jason, before we get started... I would like to know who lives in your house.
2: Okay, so it's in my house we have me, we have my lovely wife, and our two children. And if I sound like I have a cold right now, it's because of those little uh, little bundles of love. Um, I have a three, almost three-and-a-half-year-old, and a five-month-old. And And the (laughs) three-and-a-half-year-old just started going to daycare in September and has been just bringing home one cocktail of viruses after another
0: plague town congratulations also that is uh that's a lot of youth in your house so you could blame the sound like that you sound like you have a cold but it could also be serious fatigue and a complete breakdown of self so am i <laughs> is that also part all of above. it
2: <laughs> all the above Could
0: i ask how are you doing jason
2: I'm doing okay. I'm recovering from said cold, Sure. which is just kind of passed around. So my daughter brought it home from daycare, and then she passed it around to my wife, and then she passed it around to my son, and then to me. And yeah. it's just like a ping pong of viruses up in here. But other than that, we're doing just fine.
0: Oh. <laughs> other than disease and the plague, we're good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the, the plague aside, diseases <laughs> aside, we're doing A-okay. All
0: <laughs> All right. So your main focus of your journalism is video games. And I I really enjoy the video games. And I could derail us into my 20s with Legend of Zelda and like smoking lots of things and waiting tables and being up all night playing it anyway. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to talk about we got, I will give you a little brief background on our video game scenario in our house, which is... We had none once we moved. We used to have it all when Stefan and I were young and carefree without children. I mean, we were garage banned. We were like, God, like, I got mean, the And then we had children and we moved. And we did not bring the video games out again. And we did not get video games back into the house until the Switch came out. And then we were first of the line switch buyers with you know, Legend of Zelda with the, you know, rabbits with all of these cute, adorable, great fun games. Our kids were eight and, I don't know, four, five, I don't know, something like that, whatever the math is. We hadn't done any online gaming with that. I mean, they were doing like Animal Jam and stuff like that, which is like a math-based online video game. But we hadn't, and not because we were anti-video game for our children. It was because I knew that when that device got into our house, I would start playing and spend more hours than I want to be told I'm playing. I, I, and I did. I did. I was like this. Yay! <laughs> I just, and the kids are like, did you see how many hours you've played this year? And I'm like, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I say all of this because when I am talking to other parents or friends and I say, I love video games. I have a feeling that the language I'm learning, the language around that is very vague. What I consider a video game is like off the top of my head is not what lots of other people are playing and vice versa. Can you talk to me about where you've seen this come up? If what I'm saying sounds like a thing you've heard and where you think language could be improved around gaming and i guess do you even like video games
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, well there's a loaded question no mm-hmm. i hate them i mean so the 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 premise of asking someone like or saying to someone i like video games or asking someone do you like video games is if you think about it, kind of a silly question like would yeah. you ask someone like hey do you like tv shows <laughs> like would you ever ask someone like hey do you do you watch movies do you read books. Like it's so it's such an <laughs> all-encompassing term. And I think the the struggle with language there is that like if you say to someone, Do you like video games, they could be imagining a kid playing Call of Duty or they could be imagining playing Candy Crush on the subway on the way to work and right. everything in between. So it's kind of a silly premise, and I think it's it's always helpful with these things to be a little bit more specific and and talk about what kind of games people are into, what kind of consoles or systems they might have, where they like to play games. I think that can always be a more interesting conversation, and that's when you can get into the question of like the Zeldas and the Minecrafts of the world. I actually, I just we had new neighbors move in across the street, and they have kids around the same age as us, and so we we met them. We've hung out a few times, and I was telling the husband what I do, and he was like, Oh, I'm not a big gamer, but I've played 100 hours of Zelda on the Switch. And I was like, 100 <laughs> hours? And you say you're not a big not gamer? A gamer. I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about here? Yeah, right. So it's like I think I think the language there is so well the word gamer is so loaded and so horrible. We at Triple Click we talk about how we refuse to call ourselves capital G gamers like we refuse to <laughs> identify with with gamer culture cuz it's so gross in so many ways. I like to think of it as like really everyone plays games and the question is what kind of games do they play.
0: Well, you just touched on a thing, the gaming culture, right? Like there is and I know that this is, this is true with lots of other areas and genres out there, but gaming, see, gaming culture and the ickiness that you just spoke of related to gaming culture, capital G gamers, to me as a, you know, average person in the world who, you know, listens to NPR and shit, makes me think... Like, okay, this is the, like, Gamergate. This is the we hate women. This is, like, 12-year-old boys calling people bitches. This is, (laughs) like, this is really toxic, gross stuff that I don't associate with, like, a problem-solving game or, like, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I don't go online and play Zelda or Rabbids, for example, perhaps if I was doing Rabbids Spark of Hope online or something, people might call me a horrible name, but I don't know.
2: I doubt I it. I doubt it. I doubt, I doubt it. it. I think it's more the, <laughs> the Call of Duties of the world.
0: But I've got to imagine, <laughs> yeah, Call of Duty. But I got to imagine, <laughs> I got friends whose kids play Call of Duty, right? And this is a yeah. judgment-free show. So like, how as a journalist, because you have- interviewed, you've seen, you've explored this in your work. And I know from my work that not all things are just black and white. So I don't want a parent who's like, oh, my kid's been playing 100 hours of Call of Duty this week to suddenly feel like, oh, shit, I've lost all control in my house, right? I don't want to say gaming culture is like a sweeping stereotype either.
2: So let me let me chime yeah. in here because I think what you're getting at is this is is something that isn't uh, limited to games. Right. I mean, if a kid wants to kind of get their id out, and I've been there, I've been a teenage boy, I've been someone <laughs> who good. like who like wants to just like I don't know, just like get anger out on the internet in some way or another. And uh, so there's some more healthy ways of doing it than others. But uh, but the the point being that like if a teenage boy is is being angry on the internet, then we'll find a way to do it, whether it's through Call of Duty or somewhere else. And I think the way to approach gaming, if you are a parent with a kid who is anywhere from I don't know eight to to sixteen and is like starting to explore playing games online with their friends or with strangers and stuff, the way to approach it is the way you'd approach any of their Mm. other internet or social habits, which is supervision and moderation and talking them through with things and telling them how to stay safe and and stay in safe spaces and telling them what not to do and how to behave themselves. Especially these days, I think one of the most important lessons that a parent can impart is that everything on the internet is permanent and that things will come back to haunt them, whether or not they think they're bulletproof right now, easier said than done, but still. And I think all of that stuff, it has something to do with games, right? Like whether they're posting on TikTok um, or in Call of Duty, it's the same premise. It's the same, like you want to find your friends, find your community and stay away from people who are just shitty and toxic. (laughs) I think the bigger, the far bigger issue, the thing that I would, I'm going to be far more worried about when my kids are, are a little bit older is the YouTube rabbit hole that you can go down and the conspiracy theories and the Andrew Tates of the world and that that whole sphere. And that that's been, I think Part of what Gamergate was was a lot of intersection between that and the gaming world, and that the same types of people who are kind of like the men's rights activists and alt right kind of YouTubers and pundits of the world were appealing to the gamers by being like, "Look, the feminists, the social justice warriors ruined your favorite video <laughs> game." But it's all, it's all, it's all in the same space. It's all the same they world. Ruined in the your same game sphere by of playing. Like, that's no, no joke. It's it's well, it's a little more insidious oh, I than that. Actually, the the whole <laughs> it, because it was more about people who work on mm. games, and so the whole all of Gamergate essentially was based on this premise that. Radical feminists, progressive feminists, and progressive people are ruining the video game industry by making games that aren't as good anymore and are too like aren't appealing to white men anymore, or appealing to feminists, and are spending too much time censoring titties or whatever. <laughs> and that—that's the whole There's concept. There's not enough review, really. in
0: this game. I don't understand. Yeah,
2: and it's. There's a, a straight yeah. line to draw between Gamergate and like the rise of of all sorts of alt right cultures and hardcore Trump communities and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, but the, the the main point I'm making is just that like with games, you just need to think of them as online communities and treat your kid playing Call of Duty in the same way that you would treat your kid going online and watching YouTube videos. And I think actually something that scares me a little bit is that a lot of parents maybe spend too much time thinking worrying about the call of duty part of that and not enough time caring or thinking about what is being watched on youtube and that's where the real poison can seep in
0: and it's not just anti-women it's it's very racist there's so much casualness because i would assume it's because there's a feeling of being anonymous at the same time, making it very easy to say stuff because no one's eyeballing you. Is that, am I right?
2: <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, uh, it's so funny. I used to think that anonymity was like the yeah. biggest, the biggest driver of toxicity, but I used to work for a gaming site called Kotaku that was part of Gawker Media. And actually, something I learned circa 2013 or 2014 was that the people with the most vile comments were actually on Facebook using their real names. Mm -hmm. So uh, anonymity wasn't even, wasn't even the the biggest factor. No, but it's true. It's (laughs) like, if you're on, on Call of Duty, you're on whatever, you're you're on the internet, you can, you can definitely use anonymity as a mask to just kind of like get your, your, your it out, get your awful urges out, even if you don't mean (laughs) them and it can just cause so many problems for all sorts of reasons. I mean, it's really unhealthy. It's really something that a lot of parents need to talk to their teens about and be like, look, uh, I understand that you you want to get you want to like get some feelings out, get some aggression out, whatever. Let's find a way to do that. That's healthy. That doesn't have a negative impact on other people. That's that I think is really important.
0: I know. I agree. I know that for me, video gaming or I'm sorry, I know that for me, The games that I play, which tend to be strategy-based games. See, I'm learning already. Strategy-based or open-ended kind of games are definitely a chance to step out, right? To take a break from, you know, oh, look, this is a problem I can solve. It's like jigsaw puzzles for me. Here's a problem I can solve, and then it's done. I did it, because nothing else in my life is that easy to solve. So, yeah, I think... Having ways to talk to your kids and yourself, because I got to have this conversation with myself a lot, too, of have I crossed the line into this is possibly too much? Am I getting any benefit out of this? Or is it midnight? (laughs)
2: yeah I mean I think something else you're getting at that I think is important to look at is like there are some games that are designed to appeal to you forever to make you play as long as humanly possible they don't end they're multi often they're multiplayer games or they're kind of never-ending phone games and and the goal is just like usually it's just kind of time wasting or or it could be a social space to hang out with your friends there there could be a, a few different goals and then there are types of games that are meant to be finished and be done with, like what you're describing, which are a different type of game and a different type of experience. And I think one is a little bit more akin to, I don't know, watching a live show that never ends, watching SNL every week, watching some show that doesn't stop versus watching a complete series that you're like, okay, no, I'm done with that. Maybe I'll revisit it one day, but it's over. And I think both types of games can can, can be meaningful and have a lot of cool stuff, a lot of advantages to play. But I think making sure that your kids aren't too hooked on the former type of game and making sure that they're not staying up until 2am. I mean, I would rather when my kids are old enough to play games, if they're yeah. going to stay up until 2am playing a game, I'd rather it be a game that can be finished, that can be completed, because then it's yeah. like, okay, you, in, you, you binged it, great, you're done with it, let's move on. <laughs> If they're up to two a.m. playing Fortnite with their friends, and that's the type of thing that can be a repeatable habit, and then it becomes a problem, I think, as opposed to something where it's like a one-time thing. It's like binging the last season of Lost until five (laughs) a.m. one time, versus binging like I don't know on (laughs) reality TV that doesn't end or whatever, like like, so afraid, don't stop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but it's not even, it's it's more the concept that TV isn't the best analogy because TV always ends. Like these games just do not end. And that's what makes them so addictive. I mean, there's a reason people used to call Blizzard's World of Warcraft World of War crack, because it's this big mm. online virtual world that you just could spend 24 hours a day in if you could. And there there's some horror stories that I've heard over the years from people in Asia who went to these like big cafes where they, they have games set up and just played so long that they, like, died at their desks. Like, there, there are a couple of stories out there of that, of, like, people who just, like, like were sitting there so long. This is extreme. It's only happened a couple of times, but That is but extreme. Still, it's,
0: Everybody, it take it is that extreme. story, and let's manipulate it and really blow it out of control. Yeah, the games right? That, that the headline here. games are killing <laughs> people in cafes. Games
2: are killing people.
0: All right. Of all the articles you've written, okay, about the video gaming industry... Is there anything that you found the most either like eye-opening or most challenging? Has has your work altered how you feel about gaming?
2: Yeah, well, so one of my areas of expertise, one of the kind of the beats that I cover most extensively is labor in games and the way that the workers behind these games are treated and what they have to go through to actually make the games. That's what both of my books so far are about. And it's what I've written about a lot over the years. And that's certainly given me new perspective on like playing these things, because I know how much work it takes to actually make them and, and the conditions that they're made under. It's also given me all sorts of perspectives and thoughts on unionization and workers organizing in the video game industry and all sorts of other issues. So that, obviously, we've been talking more about like playing games and kids playing games and the culture around it. But the behind the scenes labor issues are a whole nother can of worms that I have been kind of focusing a a lot on over the years.
0: Well, and has that impacted how you what you play?
2: Um, I wouldn't say it's impacted what I play. It's definitely impacted the way that I might think about games And the way that I might, I don't know, play something and be like, oh, wow, this is, this looks really good. This is really beautiful, these graphics. I wonder how many man hours it took to just like come up with this. I wonder how many people were like not seeing their kids staying late at work to actually finish this, which is an unfortunate thing. I do try to separate the two when I'm playing the games, but yeah, it's that, that, that's how it's had the biggest impact. But I do still try to, to answer one of your first questions, I do play as much as possible. And one of the reasons for that is because it helps me do my job. It helps me be able be be equipped yeah. to talk to people and understand what they're saying and understand what they do all day by playing as many games as possible and just kind of knowing what they're doing.
0: That's funny. My husband is a themed entertainment theme park experience designer. So when he shifted into that career several years ago, I, w- I remember saying to him, Well, you've done it. You have gotten the perfect job for 12 year old Stefan, right? Like <laughs> sometimes there are perks. Like I had to go to all these theme parks. He has to go travel and try all these different like ride styles out. And then there are the nice, downsides of nice. like having to watch the entire Shrek series so he can write, or our Chipmunk <laughs> series so he can write things, you know, based on that. So your partner, your spouse, your wife, how do they? Look, I'm asking this question, it's a little loaded, because when I had, we had very little children in my house, uh, in my house, you like that? When we had very little children in our house, and I was a haggard and broken mess, there were times I got a little resentful. When Stefan had uh-huh. to go and watch a movie or had to do, de- right? Like, it was like, how dare you enjoy a magazine? <laughs>
2: you know, like, you get, uh-huh. we had to work through
0: some stuff during that time.
2: You and my wife have yeah. on lots of talk
0: about. I'll, I'll recommend some episodes for her. Uh, but I got to imagine how, like, you have kids in your house now and you're obviously not a jerk, right? So I don't know, maybe you are. So far, I don't think you're a jerk. With that sort of, how do you feel? And this is totally, I want your perspective, your experience. How is that balanced for you right now?
2: So it's actually pretty easy because I can get away with playing games during work hours when I need to. And so when I'm covering something for work, I can just sit at my desk here and have one eye on my laptop for breaking news and stuff and then the other on my computer screen playing whenever. Um, I also, the kids go to bed at mm-hmm. 7.30 and then so we have a couple hours to do what we want. So I never play games. I mean, unless I'm like on my Switch while the <laughs> kids are playing. I never play games during the weekend mm-hmm. days, like during during days when we don't have childcare. We're always with the kids. We're either watching them in the living room or just like out doing something with them. Occasionally, I'll sit there playing a Switch game if the kids are like otherwise occupied, but it's very difficult to yeah. focus. So. Almost the entirety of my gaming time is at night when the kids are in bed. Or during the work day when the kids are being taken care of, so that's the answer. Actually, it's funny. Uh, my wife, what bothers my wife far more are two things. <laughs> one is one is that I watch uh, NFL football, which which is during the day, <laughs> and that 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 bugs her because she hates it. But two is, and this is unavoidable, the thing that's hardest on her, I would say, is when I have yeah. to travel yeah. for work, and that's when we have to bring in one of our parents, yeah. uh, one of our sets of parents, to come and help out, and that's when she gets a little resentful of like oh man you get to oh, stay jail. in a hotel for five days without <laughs> your kids right but I mean that's that's part of my yeah. job like I can't really can't really be avoided I try to limit it as much as I can but I have to do reporting trips every so often but yeah as far as the day-to-day game stuff no that that I, I've managed to balance and I'm very lucky because my people always ask me like how can I as a parent yeah. find time to play games while also like raising small children and I'm like well you got to get a job where they, they let, let you me play, play games game. during work hours <laughs> That's that's the answer. And so I do feel bad that I can't give people, like, a really good answer there. But I will say, like, I think most parents out there, other than, like, the first yeah. few months of newbornness when there's, like, no schedules, usually most parents are on a schedule where, like, the kids are in bed at 7, 7.30. And so, I mean, there can be nights when you choose, like, instead of uh, watching whatever Netflix <laughs> show. Well, not not just that, but also, like, uh, you let's say you have seven, let's say you go to bed at 10 and the kids are asleep at 7.30. Right. You can... Maybe some nights you spend with your partner bonding, watching TV, whatever, and then some other nights you go off on your own now, and get some gaming time in. That
0: is actually, everybody's first few years are very different with kids in their house. But I do think the way I found balance, personally, two ways. One was, I I my husband loves movies. So he goes out and watches movies, like in the garage, and then I will play video games, right? Or Mm. like right now, and I say right now, but everybody knows for the last like three years, my youngest, who's nine, still needs somebody to be in the room right next to their room until they go to sleep. Thanks, COVID. And so I I play in the other room. Uh. It's a great time. But be warned, everybody, when we got that switch... And we, I tried to trick children into thinking that watching me play was fun. That equates to children constantly telling me what to do in the game. And I'm like,
2: "This is not relaxing. Uh-huh. Is, stop it!" Uh-huh. I will go okay, up that What mountain. I want to know, what I want <laughs> to know is, at what age do the kids have to be before you you have a little bit more free time, like on um, weekends and stuff, before the weekends are back to thirty-two?
0: Yours. No.
2: <laughs> okay, that's no. Safe. I that's, will say. That's so, safe. Safe. so I've got
0: thirteen. And nine. And, you know, they're, they both are wired uniquely with different needs. But I will say that video gaming on the Switch was something that kind of gave me a chance to just sit. Like, I am happy to sit next to Ellis and watch them play. And I am happy to have Ellis. I actually have a hugely high tolerance for, like, being told what to do in a video game. Because it means I'm not doing something that I really don't have the bandwidth for, right? And then later, I know I can go and do what I would like to do in the game. And I think probably the hardest was once they were both like in elementary school, and I wanted to play like even now, with my newest game, my husband works at home, and I have to be like, you know, okay, I'd like you to go work in the other room because I just want to play video games and not feel bad about it. Right? And he's like, <laughs>
2: you can play as many games as well, you want. That's why you have to play in handheld <laughs> that's mode. Right. That's switch. right.
0: So, all right. It was kind of my last question that, because you, you touched on this at the beginning when we were talking about language. Like, when you, do you like uh-huh. TV? Right. You, this broad base. So, we have a game that we have played in the past called Is It Cake? Right? Like, is a brownie cake? And like, I would say, no, it is not a cake because it doesn't have the icing. It's not like that. Whatever. Is a muffin a cake? No, it's not a cake. Some people think it's a cake. Is it a video game? Is it not a video game? This is your opportunity to be totally snobby right now. <laughs> is there something that people can't or a genre or whatever? Is there anything like that for you?
2: No, not really, because like I don't really think uh, the 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 terminology video game doesn't mean much right. to me. That's the thing. I don't I don't put a lot of like it doesn't I don't have, it doesn't have a lot of weight for me.
0: <laughs> You've just spent your so, entire professional career dissecting it, so I don't understand why, Jason. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, I I'm I'm more interested in the business behind sure. it and the culture behind it than I am in like trying to gatekeep who what's a game and what's not. There are a lot of people out there yeah. who will be like, oh mobile games, Candy Crush is not a real game but I think that's kind of nonsensical. I think everything is if if you can play it it's it's a game. If it's if it's a digital experience it's there a game go. that doesn't I don't really see the need to be snobby. Did you about see that how sort of quickly thing. I tried
0: to turn this show into something combative? Did everybody see that? <laughs> look how quickly I did it. Look how easy, <laughs> look what video games have done to me, everyone. <laughs> All right, well, Jason, I very much appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this because I do think video games, for whatever reason, are sort of an experience that very and very easily done I say this because I myself have done and continue to do this video game as part of screen time for kids is really something that's very easy to be like they're just doing that and I'm walking away and I'm having my coffee Uh I'm having like what it is so easy to do it and I really appreciated your take on it being less about the game and being more mindful about the community and and not less about I mean everybody you know your kids right like you know what they what's going to trigger some stuff and what might not like <laughs> it's like when we watch Bugs Bunny with Ellis and Raiden I would have to say okay this is Bugs Bunny remember don't hit anybody with the frying pan or shoot them in the face like like from the very beginning it's very funny and enjoyable as a form of entertainment don't do it. <coughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think if you are out there, if you're a parent of a kid and you're trying to think like, okay, how do I limit their screen time? How what What's the best approach for this? I think one healthy way to think about it might be dividing in your brain online games versus offline Mm. games and letting your kids have kind of different amounts of time or different kind of guidelines when you turn off the Wi-Fi and the console and you let them play stuff offline versus stuff online, because the stuff that's online can be a lot more addictive, a lot more absorbing, a lot easier to just kind of like stay up until 5am playing with your friends versus the stuff that's offline, which can be isn't necessarily less addictive, but it can be more contemplative. It can be more easier to pause the game and do something else, easier to turn it off, easier to play in chunks. And so I think thinking of it that way can be really helpful.
0: Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. Everybody, not only should you go out and check out his books if you're interested in learning more about how those games are made. They put a lot more hours in than you have playing it. (laughs) Everybody knows where to get books, but we'll still link you up to where you can easily get a copy of Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, as well as Press Reset. And you can hear Jason on Maximum Funds Triple Click, which is yeah. delightful. Do you want to throw anything out there about Triple Click before I sign us off?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, so Triple Click, I think one I think there there would be a nice intersection between Triple Click and One Bad Mother because I think that what we try to do at Triple Click is we try to do a podcast that's like for yeah. adults who play games and it's not for gamers. It's which I think is an important distinction. Like we make our podcast for people who enjoy games and sometimes for people some of our audience plays games all the time. That's all they think about, which is totally fine. But they're still adults yeah. as opposed to gamers and also like <laughs> kids I'm sure listen to our show too but it's it's more like I don't know what's the best way to put it more sophisticated thinkers than kind of you're we're not we're not out here talking about like video game console wars yeah. Xbox versus PlayStation <laughs> or like a lot of other stuff that you might you might see out there so yeah check it out it's a fun show we have we have a lot of fun I,
0: I will say I love the idea of kids listening because I have found my ticket to being the coolest parent ever in the history uh-huh. of the world is walking onto that playground like three years ago or four before the pandemic and hearing somebody talk about Zelda and me being like, Oh, what do you need to know? And then being like, you play. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, honey, I do play. I got the motorcycle. And they're like, what is a motorcycle? And then you're like, uh huh. And this is, and Uh and also being able to go to kids and be like, how did you get through this one trial? I can't. uh, One trial was so hard for me. My child could do it. And my child can kill the lionels in like less than a minute i die very quickly (laughs) well i can take down any other beast right so anyway it's it's if you want to be cool you can listen to triple click and pretend that you're cool use their information (laughs) jason thank you so much i hope you recover thanks elizabeth thanks for having me absolutely
1: elephants right-handed
2: what's the middlest size in the universe
1: what is the history of fan
2: fiction let's find out together on our show let's learn everything where we learn anything and everything interesting
1: my name's caroline and i studied biodiversity and conservation
2: my name's tom and i studied computer science and cognitive Mm,
1: did you And my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine.
2: On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh.
1: And we get to say, f***.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not in the trailer.
1: (laughs) Subscribe to Let's
2: Learn Everything every
1: other Thursday on Maximum Fun.
2: Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling
1: 206... 350-9485. That's 206-350-9485.
0: Genius fail time. Genius me. Me. Wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. I saw what you did. Oh my god. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, mom, are a genius. Oh my god. That's fucking genius. Okay. I... Went away. I did a little self-care. We were all supposed to go to the beach for two days like my folks and my sister and me. just as a nice trip. And then the weather here in California made it so that wouldn't be that nice a trip. But my mom and dad said they still wanted me to have two nights in a hotel because that would have been a break for me. So they got me a room at the hotel. My sister stays in when they come. And I said, yes. And I did it. I brought my puzzle caddy with me so I could work on a puzzle in the hotel. And I brought a candle that I like. So I, I said yes to that self care. And it was a good choice. Hey, Vince,
1: I have a genius. And I'm so <laughs> excited about it. And no one. But I am wrapping up all of our old Christmas books in recycled wrapping paper. I'm trying to save the earth. I'm trying to save myself some time next December. We have a tradition where I let the kids choose a book every night, and we unwrap the book and read it, and it's a lot for me. And I I started late this year because I couldn't get my shit together to wrap the books, but I'm doing it now. And they're going to be ready next year or this coming year, this <laughs> December. And I'm just so excited about it. And I know that we are probably going to be moving this summer and this might turn into a fail because I won't be able to find them. But for now, it's a genius. So I just wanted to call and tell someone who who might give a shit. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. All right, everyone, you're doing a good job.
0: Bye-bye. Okay. Not only is this a genius and you're doing a good job, it is such a great thing that you're doing that you should just take off the rest of the day. Like 100% you should be done. Okay. First of all, that is a really nice tradition. I. That is a nice tradition. It falls into that like uh, borderline genius fail traditions that I know my family has where you're like, this is a great idea. And then two years later, you're like, why is this a tradition? This is so much work. Does anybody care? But it doesn't matter because right now they care. And right now you are thinking ahead. That is next year. It's going to be so easy. And you're going to remember how easy it was. And you're going to be like, I'm so great. I hope you realize that you did this. When December rolls around later this year and that you had totally forgotten you'd done it so that when you find them, you're like, oh, my God, I am the best. And I hope you do that on a day where you need to remember that you are the best because you are doing a great job. Failures.
1: Fail, 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 fail.
0: You suck. Fail me, me. Not a problem. Two things on my very important self-care getaway. I forgot to pack like all my skincare stuff, you know, lotion, hairbrush stuff. You know, I didn't realize it until after I got out of the shower and was like, everything's so dry. My <laughs> my face. My beautiful face. So that was so I knew I was gonna have to go home to get them because I'm just staying in a hotel in, like, a couple of miles away from my house. And then because Ellis, who had been so understanding of my need for this two-day trip, I mean, just in an epically, amazingly empathetic way, the day I left, kind of forgot all that great empathy and was like, I'm like, don't leave! <laughs> I was like, I have to leave! And so my backup fail is that I visited... Ellis, on my time away, I came home (laughs) and visited some really good self-guests. I was like, Stefan, what was my fail? He was like, you came home on your time away? And I was like, yeah, that's it. You put your finger on it. Oh, well, baby steps.
1: Hello, OVPs. This is a fail. So I have a seven and a half month old fail. No, that's not it. Oh, uh, but so I have a seven and a half month old, And that is relevant to this story. So I'm at school, I'm teaching, and I all of a sudden have to start playing the game, what is that smell? Mm. And it's not my student. I teach middle school, but it's not my uh-uh. students. I'm like, this is, not, this is not a good smell. And I'm wearing, <laughs> you know where this is going. I'm wearing my oh, yeah. favorite sweater, and uh, I discover that that smell is me. Or specifically, oh, yeah. my sweater, and I realized it's got oh, uh, it's got spit up on it, and it's like, luckily, it's in a part where you like can't see it, but you can smell it. That's not the fail. The fail is biz. Yeah, I don't remember the last time my seven and a half month old spit up. Hmm. I don't know. He's been yeah. a really good eater lately. So not only, so the fail is, not only is there spit up on my favorite sweater, but I haven't washed this sweater in enough time that I don't know how long the spit up has been here. Guys, we're talking like before Christmas, at least. It's January. I don't, I don't remember the last time my child spit up. I really don't. It's kind of nice that I don't remember until I find some spit up. So, um, I am failing at laundry, clearly. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this happens. But, uh, hopefully you're all doing a good job. And I hope your day smells better than mine. I suck. Oh.
0: Bye! <laughs> you do suck! You're the worst! Everybody can smell you! <laughs> What's hidden in all this is that your baby is seven and a half months old, which means... For people who are not currently experiencing super brain, what we lovingly call mommy brain here, because I hate the fucking term mommy brain, super brain, if you're not experiencing super brain, you might think, I can remember something that's happened in the last seven and a half months. I mean, it's not that long. It's seven and a half months, right? It's like what you did last summer or something, right? So there's this beauty in the fact that it could have been... As long ago as like seven months, which is like, in a grand scheme of things, a rememberable time. And so not only is there the fail of not having washed your clothes, the fail of not having known you smelled, there's also this weird fail of no longer having the sort of brain capacity for remembering how time and space work. So... That is a children's book that I clearly need to write. Also, the smell. You live in your house. You don't smell it, right? I am, I have walked out of my house and I don't even put things in my closet anymore because that's where the cat boxes are. And I have gone out and been like, (gasps) I smell like cat pee, but I don't know it until I am out in a public place surrounded by people who don't live in my house. (laughs) There, there really is nothing worse. I, well, no, there's lots of things worse. There really is something very unique about the experience of being out in public, smelling something, having to go through all the steps one goes through to identify what the smell is and where it is coming from, only to discover it's you. That's an unhappy place, that I have been, and still sometimes find myself in. Yep, you're doing a horrible job, sort of, I don't know, let's just for fun say, kind of like at being a self overall, right? Oh, well, there's always next week.
1: You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you. I love you.
0: All right, everybody. It's time to listen. Oh, boy. It is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi,
1: Biz. This is a really defeated rant. I have a three-month-old and a few months away from two-year-old. I don't know two little kids under two, and it's raining for so long. My partner goes shift work, so for seven days they're at work the whole time, all day, all night. Um, you know, and I thought it would be nice because my toddler's not eating anything. And it's been raining, and I don't know what to do to get these two little kids out of the house to have the baby, nap in the car seat, and go to some silly chain restaurant where nobody's going to care if they're freaking out to see if my toddler will eat some cheesy soup in a bread bowl, right? That's exciting. A bread bowl. And so, of course, you have to pick up your food at the counter. And I wanted a cup of coffee. Okay. but they just give me a cup like here you go fill it up so I've got the toddler on my hip and the baby in the stroller napping and how am I supposed to fill up a cup of coffee I can't fill up a cup of coffee I try to fill up the coffee and it's spilling okay. on my hand and scalding my hand and I'm trying not to swear while I'm holding my toddler and, and then you know I just left it it's like forget the coffee you know there's There's high chairs, but they're only in the corner. And how do I grab the high chair with the stroller? And maybe I only have one hand, and I can't walk away from either of your kids. No one tells you that you can't just walk away, even a couple of steps. And there's people everywhere, like little old ladies out on lunch dates and, you know, other families and tons of single people working on the laptops. And just nobody helped me. Everybody looked at me, but nobody would help me. And then I'm supposed to somehow balance the hot soup in the same hand as I'm holding my toddler while walking to the table. And I, I did it somehow without her sticking her hand in the hot soup and without spilling it all over me like I did with the coffee, you know. And, uh... I just don't understand how many people I walked by who just stared and nobody cares. Nobody could just like help me get set up or get a cup of coffee or a high chair or sit down at the table. And you know, I haven't slept more than a couple hours in months. I'm just, I'm so tired. It's so lonely. And there's the timer. Time to put the baby down for a nap. So, thanks. You're doing a great job.
0: Bye. You're doing such a good job at something that is inconceivably hard. I say inconceivably because we are still fighting the narrative that it is supposed to be easy. I remember how much I hated feeling like I shouldn't even leave my house because I knew it would be hard and I knew it felt like people, if they saw me struggling, essentially were like, well, then don't go out. If you can't handle it, you shouldn't do it, right? And that, the word that you kept saying over and over again, that really... Really triggers stuff for me is help. I just help, help me, help me. I need help. I am surprised you did not just stand in the middle of that Panera. I know where you are and scream at the top of your lungs, help me, somebody, just help! God damn it, right? Like I and I mean, if you've been listening for a long time, you'll remember like. I had that moment at the Whole Foods with oh, there's nothing more <laughs> more obnoxiously white sounding than my emotional breakdown at a Whole Foods with my baby. But like I had gone out because I needed to be out of the house and like Ellis would not stop screaming and my boobs hurt and like I was I literally was walking through Whole Foods crying and no one offered to help. I had to find a changing room at Whole Foods. Who knew they had changing rooms, but they do because I guess you're trying on comfortable clothes at Whole Foods that are made of hemp. And I just sat there and cried. I just cried and Ellis was crying. And like a trip to the store became a two-hour emotionally scarring forever ordeal. So I see you. That situation does make you feel helpless, And that situation can make you feel really alone. And it sounds like you're in a partnership in which your partner has a really difficult work schedule. That is hard. And we have talked on the show multiple times that you can be surrounded by people and still feel really isolated when a kid gets into your house. And I will say, especially when they are really that young, because it is like having eight cats attached to you and they're all scratching and they're all yelling and they're all pulling and you're trying to walk through the world like you're yourself or something like, yes, this is reasonable for me to come and get soup and coffee, right? And they're like, there's just chaos all around you and you haven't slept, you're not getting good sleep. And I like oh, I, I see you. I see you. And I really appreciate you sharing that you deserve fucking coffee. You deserve a soupy bread bowl. Fuck it. Just get the bread bowl without the soup in it. Put it on your toddler's head like a hat. They can just pick at it, right? Like this is survival mode right now, my friend. Whatever helps you should be your priority. Wow. Did you like that super shitty one-bed-mother advice that I'm not supposed to give? Um, sorry. I'm just like circling back. I'm like circling back to the beginning with my mom and like the hospice and like everybody else's needs. I don't need. I can feel pain. All this poor hot coffee on my hand. It's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay for any of us. We got to stop it. <laughs> we got to stop it. And one way to help stop it is by helping each other, okay? Look for this parent when you are out in the world. Look for her, okay? Get her coffee. Get her at airports, at restaurants, at grocery stores. It, is, it takes two seconds to say, I can see you have uh, kids, so, can I go run to the store, like, at an airport? Can I go run and get you a water? Do you need anything from, like, the, the bookstore or the little mart that's here? Because you don't want to go drag your children into it because that is a whole production. Can I put your grocery cart away? Da-da-da-da. You're doing a good job. <laughs> You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. You are not alone And I see how hard this is. Everybody, this is hard. This is hard. That is, if you have got really little kids in your house, you are right there with our mom rant today. If you have older kids in your house, there may be other challenges that make things like that hard. Or you may have just kind of blocked it out like the trauma it is. (laughs) I don't use that lightly. I'm not even kidding. Like, that's hard. It is really hard when you feel completely unseen and alone when you need help. That hurts. Don't dismiss it. Everybody is dealing with something and balancing something and not sleeping or struggling or catching puke in their hand or whatever it is and that is such a great reminder that when we go out in the world and we see each other we are all carrying something and that kindness is such a great place to try and start from. And even if you are so fucking tired, you are not in the mood to be kind or have a conversation or chit-chat, you can at least grab that woman's coffee, okay? And you don't have to say where well, I'm in a horrible mood, but I'm gonna carry your coffee to the table, right? <laughs> that is also okay. You're all doing a great job. You are absolutely not alone. And I will talk to you next week. Bye I
2: got to low down Mama Blues, I gotta slow down Mama Blues, I got to slow down Mama Blues, low down Mama Blues, I got to low down Mama Blues, gotta low down Mama Blues, you know that right.
0: One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To
1: support the show, go to maximumfunorg join Well, daddy and by, Oh, said
2: daddy, and baby, by, down, Mama yeah.
1: MaximumFun.org.
2: Comedy and culture.
1: Artist-owned, audience-supported.